You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning and welcome to another Sunday here on The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. I want to thank you for getting up once again and joining me here at KUNV 91.5 Jazz and More for a terrific conversation. Um, if you were with me last week, we were talking with Dr. Carmen Jones, who is a local pediatrician. She's been here for a number of years and um, has taken her work in pediatrics and just evolved her career over the years in medicine as a whole. And we were talking about um, cannabis and medical benefits of cannabis. And we did not have the time to get into the new chapter of her life. And I want, I'm excited to welcome her back. Uh, Dr. Jones, thank you for joining me again this Sunday. Thank you for getting up two weeks in a row early in the morning. How are you? Thank you for having me again. You know I love you because I'm up two Sundays in a row. <laughs> That's not my jam. I know, but it's a great time of year to get up and just see the sun and have some coffee and then jump into a a deep conversation and talk about things that matter to this community and that will help us um, just know more than we knew yesterday and maybe help us make some wise decisions, especially in this arena of cannabis. So last week we were talking about all things cannabis, how it's evolved, what you've done in the area um, Quickly recapping, uh, quick recap, because we may have some new listeners. So just a quick recap, because I want to get into the new space that we didn't talk about last week. So um, who are you? And I don't know, what is it, three seconds or less people say or something? Yeah, no problem. I'll be happy to recap. Okay. So I have been a physician uh, for quite some time, um, well over 30 years, actually. And I've been in the Las Vegas area for 21 years from Chicago and practicing pediatrics. So people tend to get really intrigued when they hear that because they want to know how did I get from one space to the other. And so real briefly, I was asked about 12 years ago to fill in for a fellow doctor who was doing medical um, marijuana card approvals um, for a particular company. And I ended up staying at that place for some time kind of began to quickly see that people were improving, their health was improving. Uh, they, they were getting better. They were getting off opiates. And I, you know, continued to learn, continued to actually learn from a lot of them as they were uh, experimenting. And I think the key thing I want to make sure to always say whenever I'm speaking publicly is to tell people that Patients would come back and say this sentence to me almost verbatim at least once or twice a week. Thank you for doing this. My life has been changed. 
And while I still practice pediatrics today, I still love my work with the children. My work with the cannabis uh, community or medical marijuana patients has given me, I think, greater satisfaction. So fast forward to today, not only do I educate patients of all ages, of course, on how to use cannabis as medicine, but I have found a particular new area that really spoke to me and who I am as a person and how I ended up how I ended up taking on a whole new project involving um, cannabis. So that's the brief um, recap. Let me know when you want me to tell you what's next. <laughs> I'm ready to jump into what's next. Cause so um, I think that it's... It's become, it's such a popular space. So many people, you know, you have the recreational component and then you have the um, medicinal aspect and um, people struggling and wanting to understand if you've never used um, marijuana before for anything. And now that it is here as a medical resource, making sure people understand that, but you're going into a new direction and a lot of times in the space of marijuana and now the legalization of it, there's the conversation that gets into the legality and the justice component What's and how that works. And you're moving into that space, um, we, to wanting to or getting into being a criminal expert on um, yeah. how marijuana impacts cases where people are... Um, arrested or facing charges or facing court dates or what have you. Um, yes. Talk to me about the, what's this about? What are we doing? What are you doing? Okay. So let me give a little background for the, the public that may not know. Um, at some point in our country's uh, culture, we began to demonize cannabis. It was approximately, well, let's say about 85 years ago probably the late 1930s, um, cannabis began to be uh, criminalized, if you will. Mm -hmm. It was certainly vilified, which is how we got the name marijuana. It is a slang term that is not, uh, it, it's discriminatory, it's racist, it is not accurate of uh, a description. It is a moniker that was given because of the uh, need for the government to begin to control the population, okay? Again, I mentioned last week, if you listen, there are lots of videos on the history of cannabis in this country because prior to this era, cannabis was approximately 50% of the prescriptions written had cannabis in it, and of course, they called it by its scientific name. So we are trying, I, along with other activists and advocates, are trying very hard to destigmatize it by making sure we call it what it is. So you will hear me interchange them sometimes for um, clarification or so that people can keep up with, um, you know, kind of the evolution. But mm -hmm. for the most part, it'll be called cannabis. And um, I will try my best to make the distinction. So I got a phone call from a fellow physician in town. And this doctor happens to be an OB doctor who has now turned it's practiced into a practice, you know, for hormones. But he had a patient, a former OB patient, walk into his office. I'll be brief with the this, the vignette. 
Um, it was a 22-year-old young woman who was eight months pregnant, and she had a two-year-old at home. She had previously, prior to being pregnant, gotten arrested for a DUI and was at the end of her DUI sentencing um, uh, responsibilities. So she goes in. Now she's eight months pregnant after uh, finishing her assignments uh, given to her by the court and tested positive for cannabis. Well, the judge flipped and lost it and told her that um, there's no way she should be using cannabis when she's eight months pregnant. The young lady explained that the doctor told her to, and he didn't really, the judge was not interested in hearing it, uh, and told her she could not produce evidence that the doctor told her she could use cannabis uh, at while pregnant if she was going to jail on Monday. So this was a Friday morning. Now she's got till Monday morning to essentially save her own life. And I don't mean to be so dramatic, but when you're eight months pregnant with a two-year-old at home and you're a 22-year-old who happens to be an African-American young woman in front of a judge, that's pretty scary. So like I said, she showed up to uh, her former OB's office in tears because her current doctors would not endorse what they told her to do. The story goes that she actually had intractable morning sickness. Medically, that we call that hyperemesis gravidarium. And normally, morning sickness lasts just the first trimester and uh, typically goes away and proves mom is able to eat and nourish her baby or feed it. This case was unique. This mom never got better. It never got better. She was never able to eat enough, keep enough on her stomach, or gain enough weight to have a healthy baby. She was even sent to high-risk pregnancy. So... <clears throat> Um, to see the high-risk pregnancy doctor, the uh, perinatologist, they all cavalierly told her, why don't you smoke a little pot? And so she did. Now, when I spoke to her directly at some time later, she said, I wasn't sitting around, you know, getting high. I was just taking a couple of hits and settle my stomach. And I think that's a general common knowledge to the public that, you know, cancer patients or people who have um, certain stomach issues will do well with a little cannabis um, to help them uh, so that they can eat, mm -hmm. build their, uh, sorry, maintain their appetite. Mm -hmm. Well, this was a case of a lady trying to not only maintain her own weight, but enough weight for her child to grow. Um, so nonetheless, um, the doctor called me knowing that this is an area of expertise for me, and I literally rallied my troops meaning I have a network of other cannabis physicians that I work with. And they sent me articles and language. And when it was all said and done, uh, I had generated a five-page report for the judge with 15 references. And that Monday morning, when she presented that document to the judge, um, he was actually, I'm told, kind of angry because it didn't come from her doctor who said something, uh, you know, to her cavalierly. However, the public defender and the state uh, attorney representing the state did not wish to proceed with the case, and it was dropped. And essentially, she was saved from 
having to go to jail to deliver a baby. So that and when that no, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. I'll, I'll hold my question because it's a great story of um, a positive outcome for a mom to be who already was a mother as well. In preparing and coming into this space and working, um, were you then approached to say, we have a lot of cases like this? Um, you know, how yes, did this so one what, case evolve? Yeah, so what happened was by me doing this work to help this young woman, I don't have any better way to say it except for something that was sparked in me. It was it moved my spirit, moved my soul, and I finally kind of realized where I belong in this cannabis space. You know, there's people out there doing different things with the within the industry. And while yes, I was and still am an educator for patients, this one touched me in a different way. So hers so wasn't started, a criminal yeah. case though. Like hers in some cases it was a situation where she was in court. Um for a circumstance tied to a DUI toward the end of what sounded like her um, probation or um, accountability re- relative to the DUI case. And then here comes this new twist where she tests positive for um, a substance, what's considered a, at this point, not an illegal substance, but in theory hasn't been for a long time an illegal substance. And so the judge is angry and feeling like, you're pregnant, so there's this irresponsibility factor, and you step in, save the day. Um, in other cases, are you are you looking to go into spaces where you affect people who are up on criminal charges, or how do you see this desire to work in criminal expert witness space for those who have cases that involve cannabis charges? Right. So, based on prior conversations, you're using the word criminal. And my understanding that a lot of these cases involving cannabis use um, for people who get arrested, it could be something as simple as someone getting fired from their job because they're a medical patient. Mm. There's a lot of civil cases that are out there. Or someone like getting even a a DUI for cannabis, not alcohol. Uh, A patient who happens to be a foster parent. There are so many different scenarios. So my epiphany essentially was, I know there's lots of people caught up in the criminal justice system, whether it be civil or criminal, that are um, going to need somebody to speak on their behalf, especially the medical patient. And I actually have a philosophy that all cannabis use is is medicinal. And you can go into that another time, but... Um, There are statistics, actually. The ACLU has done uh, reporting um, culmination of the last two decades um, on statistics, particularly as it affects the African-American community. I should actually say the BIPOC community, um, because they found that even now, with so many states legalized, African-American are not being arrested at the same rate. Sorry, African-Americans are being arrested at a higher rate than other races, particularly the majority white race, um, for the same amount of use. So the statistic is almost four times the amount um, of arrests. 
that's impressive. It is. It yeah. also ties into the longstanding conversation. Um, I know there are people advocating and fighting, and um, you said BIPOC, and I don't know that everybody knows what BIPOC stands for. So um, when synonyms or um, acronyms are thrown, I like to make sure people know what those acronyms actually represent. I usually do as well. So, so BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Okay. And um, the um, ACLU's 2020 report showed that Black people are technically, the, the actual number is 3.64 times more likely than white people to be arrested for marijuana possession. And this is with equal uh, rates of usage. There are still up to six to eight or 10 times more likely being arrested in certain other states. Um, and so what I worry about is that with all of these states making its own individual laws about cannabis use, around cannabis use, whether it be medical or adult, it is difficult to know what to do. I'll give you a great example. I have a friend whose um, uh, mother is a patient. Now, she's in her 70s and was going on vacation. Um, she was moving from a legal state that happens to have both medicinal and adult use to a state that has what we call low THC medical use only. Now, she gets ready to leave. She packs up, takes her medicine with her, lands, and is acting as though she's in her normal state. Luckily, nothing happened to her. She was not found to have cannabis on her or get arrested at the airport or be you know, in any sort of danger. But she's a lucky one. She went from a state where it's all legal and free, essentially open, Mm -hmm. uh, usage to a very restricted state happened to be in the South. How do you now, see this? I, how do you see this? I just want to ask this question while you're on the perspective and, and the perception of cannabis possession uh, being stopped. How do you see your work um, aligning with that of activist groups who have are now kind of on the front lines because long time ago and not really that long ago, People sold, and cannabis was something people found, you know, on the corner. There was the corner salesman. There was the the guy that people called when they wanted to, to buy something, and it wasn't legal. So now it is legal, right? But you still have all these laws that have people who were um, arrested on cases that had to do with marijuana possession. Is there work so in that space, my... too? Oh, absolutely. So how do I see myself with those other advocates? Mm -hmm. How do you see yourself playing in the... Hopefully, in, so the, the answer is hopefully synergistically. Hopefully, when um, uh, as, as everything is being established, hopefully they will, if they have a case, they will give me a call if they need someone to stand in and help defend a client who innocently, for instance, like this lady I just mentioned, didn't know that she wasn't supposed to, you know, take it with her um, mm -hmm. across state lines. So until the federal government and I guess the Supreme Court will have to ultimately step in, I imagine there will be um, protests. But um, until the federal government decides what it wants to do with this product that is legal, by the way, statistically speaking, 
in 38 states and three territories and the District of Columbia have medical use. That's 38 states. 23 of them, two territories in D.C., are adult use. So we have all these different states doing their own things, which is obviously the way of the way our government was created. However, it's too difficult for the patient to understand. So it's easy to see how someone would get caught up either criminally or civilly because of just simply not knowing. Problem is, nobody's there to support that client um, before the powers that be, the magistrate, the judge. And especially if the judge is uninformed about either the medicinal use or even the laws and how they may vary in in each state, then we got a double problem. Now we got, we continue to fill the jails with nonviolent cannabis use, uh, cases. either patients Innovative or not. Cases, but right. cases, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, my goal is to, um, as I build a company, to work with uh, advocacy groups, um, attorney uh, organizations, and other uh, cannabis groups that are interested in this medical legal space. Do you see your work taking you to D.C.? Do you see it taking you to state legislature? I mean, do you see it from a legal standpoint? Um, I how hope so. extensive is the conversation in terms of of getting into that kind of space to rewrite or to impact law? Um, because you have to have some well, law. Like, if you come in and testify, there has to be the law that supports, you know, um, the testimony, right. the legality of the claim that as a physician, a licensed physician, this is my position on. Yes. So I have taken some training mm-hmm. towards this effort uh, to become a medical expert witness. And as you could imagine, it costs a little bit and a lot of time, but well worth it because that put me in a different place and space so that I could actually be effective. And so like 95% of these cases do not require me showing up in a courtroom like ultramatic, like on TV. These are uh, either a report being sent, like I did with this young woman, or a deposition being given over like a Zoom. So it is a good thing because that would afford me the opportunity to um, do multiple cases, have multiple cases at once if need be, and to what I'm hoping to do, build a team of other cannabis physicians so that we can tackle whatever comes. Um, there, I guess I liken it to... Uh, I was going to ask, is there also um, uh, an intention to educate? Because if you... I see you Absolutely. in the legal... But to get out and to make sure people understand. Because a lot of times, this is so new to everyone, right? The people who find right. themselves in the situations and the families of those people who find themselves in the offender space or whatever the case may be, don't know. So you also have to do some educating uh, with groups to get the information out. Is that part of what you also see yourself doing? Absolutely. So I am already educating. I'm already speaking in different spaces. Um, But to be heard in the places and spaces uh, that need it the most, it would seem to me uh, a good partnership, again, with the attorney organizations 
um, probably being the best place to start. However, general public knowledge is sorely lacking. Um, I wish uh, the various jurisdictions, including mine here in Las Vegas or Nevada, were more interested in education than sales. Mm-hmm. However, that's not exactly where we sit today. So well, it, 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 it is an, it's kind of an uphill battle to educate mm-hmm. the public. But again, if I'm going to be trying to combine spaces with this medical legal world, then I need to also uh, make sure to educate the, the attorneys yeah. and their it's one step at a time, and it, it's a, it's really an interesting conversation to think about um, how cannabis is evolving, and we're, we're coming in toward the end of the show, but how um, the cannabis space is evolving, the use of it, um, and then to introduce this conversation about the legality and people who are facing um, civil cases, criminal cases, maybe in some sort of some situations, and then educating the public that here is another resource, like if I'm dealing with a circumstance i'm facing a case now understanding that there may be an additional component that's worth exploring that could have something to do with preserving my freedom um i think is it's so many facets that you never would have thought of as we walked into the conversation about cannabis from a re- we are on every conversation from recreation to lounges to use to legality to the federal laws but there's so many um new avenues to explore so i think that you're just this conversation is introducing yet another to the community to think about so, absolutely yeah. well the thing is um it is not really for the person the individual mm-hmm. to know you have to think about it like this. Let's say um, someone has a medical malpractice case. Mm-hmm. Well, they take it to the attorney. The attorney gets to work on behalf of the client, and they would call expert witnesses. The client wouldn't seek them out. Right. So that's my analogy. And I get that. It's just one of those things yeah. where it's also good to know what you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been in legal cases before, and it is amazing to watch the legal system at work and to watch attorneys at work and as they set up cases. Um, But it doesn't hurt to understand um, what's out there, whether you are the person seeking it out or your attorney is is knowledgeable enough to seek it out for you. Um, It's just a tremendous conversation, and um, I wish you every success as you work to, you know, make your passion, you know, and your calling. We are toward the end of the show. I want to make sure people know how to reach you, how to get information. Um, so if you want to share your social media handles, let's do that. So I want people to know how to, to get more from you. Well, thank you for that. And again, thank you for having me. It's yes, it's definitely a passionate uh, conversation for me. The one that has been evolving, like I said, over the last 12 years, And I am hoping, I'm very hopeful that uh, I can can help with the team. I need to mention this before dropping my handle. I am also the chairman of uh, the ACHEM Freedom Initiative. ACHEM is an acronym for Association for Cannabis Health Equity and Medicine. And I actually will be doing that, uh, this same work, for a nonprofit, as I will be doing privately for 
my own company. And that company is called Wildflower Medical. Um, right now, it's my Wildflower Medical Consultants, where I do my teaching. But mm-hmm. the other division will be called Wildflower Medical Experts. And so I can be reached on social media with just that, Wildflower Medical Consultants, on Facebook and on Instagram. And uh, the website is wildflowermedical.com for those people who are interested in making an, an appointment for education and or medical cards. Thank you, Dr. Jones. Dr. Carmen Jones, again, I want to thank her. Thank you for joining me this morning. Once again, to talk another week about this really interesting um, subject of cannabis and all things that are happening in this space as a community and as a society and as we evolve. So I hope that our listeners have learned um, a lot more than what they um, knew before listening in about cannabis and just that as you continue to do your work, it has the intended impact on the community that you're hoping for. I am excited to see how it evolves, and I think it's just a tremendous um, contribution that you're making to the community at a time when this is um, so prevalent and um, so necessary that people have an increased understanding. So thank you for spending your time with me again this Sunday, and I want to wish you a wonderful week and all of the listeners a wonderful week. Again. Thank you for having me. Happy holidays as they are approaching. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.